So the readings today, especially in our day and age, can be very challenging. Because we've been born into certain decades of time where we're, we definitely see a lot of division and a lot of lack of respect for groups of people towards other groups of people or individuals towards individuals. And so over time, we tend to focus a lot on the, how awesome it would be if everyone could just be tolerant and real Christian living, real Christian teaching, real salvation is going to be found in tolerance of all these different ideas. And it's interesting, the gospel emphasizes today that the one thing that stood out from his listeners of Jesus Christ was that he spoke with authority. You don't see our Lord coming to his community, his Jewish community, with a message meant for the whole world, which was simply, okay, Ami, you have your way, and that's fine, and Anna Catherine has your way, and it's totally different from her way from your way, and you're both fine. Just go do your thing individually. And Amelie's way, which is totally different, Amelie, you just go do your thing. And each and every one, you do your own little thing, and our Lord says, as long as you guys get along, I have nothing else to offer you. I'll see you in 2,000 years. Good luck. That's not our message of salvation. Our Lord didn't come with the salvation through tolerance only. Yes, tolerance is actually a Christian virtue. But it's not the highest one. Our Lord came with authority. And when you listen to him teach, when they listened to him teach, that was different for them. And he came saying, you group over here, this group over here, you all seem to emphasize a little too much the externals of things. You need to focus on the heart. You guys over here, you seem to focus a little too much on the Sabbath. You're kind of exaggerating it. You need to change your way because you're wrong in this. I love you enough to tell you that. And this group over here who has some amazing ideas about marriage and, and the way divorce was, is, well, you've heard that it was said, whoever divorces his wife commits adultery, whatever. But I say to you, and with all the authority of God, he said, whoever looks with another at another with lust has already committed a great sin. And when he went on, but with some fixed, clear ideas. And the people were amazed that he taught as one having authority, not just over the demon in this case, but over truth itself. We are born into a time where that's very difficult, and, and perhaps rightly so. We've seen our share of false prophets, false claimants to the truth. And that's where the first reading even says that our Lord holds very accountable and with strict justice those who preach falsely, those who give the wrong way. But we do, we balk at authority in general. Like, raise your hand if you like being told what to do. Anybody like being told what to do? Ami, do you like it when your mom says, go to your room, you're punished? And you have to obey her, right? But do you like when your mom says with all her authority, you know, Anna Catherine is wrong and it's your turn to have the toy. Do you like it when mom has authority? Sometimes, right? It's a, it's a good thing sometimes. It's meant to be a good thing, but we struggle because of our day and age following the enlightenment and all these times that we've lived in over the last centuries that, that we don't know how to accept the idea that in a plethora of ideologies and opinions that can sometimes compete with each other, that someone might have the right one. When it comes to the ideas of like, what is happiness? Well, everyone kind of figures that out on their own, right? Our Lord spoke with authority over what way leads to true happiness for the human person. Our Lord spoke with authority against various ideas about what life is about. How do you get to heaven? How do you get to hell if there is one? 
how are we supposed to live as a human being, as a woman, as a man? What is marriage and family life supposed to look like? St. Paul says, if you read it the wrong way, if your wife causes you distraction, if you're, if you're struggling in prayer, it's probably your wife's fault. If you're struggling in prayer, it's probably your husband's fault. Don't read that the wrong way. But anyway, our Lord says, actually, there's an ideal for what marriage is supposed to look like. And he speaks with authority. We do struggle with that. And the secular kind of agnostic view today offers their own truth, saying no one knows, each one figures it out on their own. That's a claim to the truth. I don't subscribe to it, but it's one more claim to the truth. And we live in, in a very confused society. The gospel shows us our Lord very convinced of who he is, very convinced of what he came to give us, and not just one opinion amidst many for each one to pick and choose what they would want. He's not afraid to judge and to lovingly offer a grounds and a context and a truth in which we can judge. This is the right way. This is the wrong way. Especially in matters of faith, what to believe about God and my, the purpose of my life as a human being, and about morality. Based on that, what is right and wrong in my free choices as a human being. And it wasn't received as, oh my gosh, what an arrogant preacher. Get him out of here. They were amazed because he spoke as one having authority. Little footnote, even the demons believed and submitted to his authority in that moment. And yet we are allowed to struggle and sometimes not do that. And it wasn't given as a burden, as an imposition of his opinion upon under which everyone else was to suffer. It was meant to bring people together in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of their uncertainties. We are a people in darkness. If we forgot that, then when the light comes, we won't appreciate it. But if we know that we're struggling in our divisions, in our confused ideas, in our limits of our human knowledge, we might be open to receive a greater light. That's not meant to, to suffocate your human wisdom and reason, but perhaps to lift it up higher. St. John Paul II wrote a whole encyclical reminding us that not just reason, but faith and reason are the two wings by which the human mind reaches the full heights of understanding. Both and, not either or. Faith and reason, the authority of reason and the authority of God's faith, of Christ's revelation. They're meant to go together. But so often, we're, especially in our day and age, we struggle because we, we, we're like, if we don't listen to the responsorial psalm, if today you hear his voice, when we receive God's teaching with authority, sometimes we harden our hearts. Sometimes we don't know how to receive that. We feel threatened by that. We want to create our own way, an easier truth, a less controversial lifestyle. And again, we maybe have our wounds from the past and the moments of tragedy and, and poor teaching in the past, whatever. But the devil plays a little bit on our fears and on our vulnerabilities. I do think that there are definitely forces today working against our trust in this day and age in Christ's authority in the apostles whom he sent out with that authority and the church today who teaches in his name. We struggle with that. I won't go into it, but the whole movie Moana, like one of the reasons I love the movie Moana is that it does an amazing job of contrasting 
the beliefs of the grandmother, you could say the religious teachings that she was trying to pass on, the quote-unquote mythical stories, and the dad of Moana, who's all about real life, he says, the island is what matters, and her beliefs are irrelevant and getting in the way of real society and real economic policy and political progress. It's an amazing little thing, but what I love is that in the heart of the human person, we can't suffocate the things in our heart that cry out for more. Why does Moana want something beyond the reef, beyond the sea? Why does she want to go farther? What tells her that there's a justice to be found in an unjust society? Where is that coming from? And the whole movie shows that actually both. Her dad has had his competence where he was right. Reason is competent in a lot of areas, and then reason reaches its limits. And faith would offer us more. Christ's revelation would offer us more to enlighten reason. I was struck in the gospel today. It describes the demon as a quote-unquote unclean spirit. Playing with that word a little bit, you could say a torpid spirit or a twisted spirit or a twisting spirit. Now in the gospel, again, this unclean spirit obeys our Lord, recognizes the truth in Jesus Christ. But I'll play with it a little bit because in our day and age, notice it said in the gospel, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. And our Lord cast him out, whatever. I think in our day and age, some similar whispers, an echo perhaps of the same twisting spirit, challenges us. What does your faith have to do with us? What does religion offer us? Isn't it just divisive? What do you think you have with your Christian holiness? Do you think you, you're the Holy One of Israel? Do you think you're the holier than thou? you think you're better than us? Have you come to judge us, to criticize us, to look down on our ideologies and our opinions? You think yours is right? And so that whisper can challenge our faith, our conviction, and kind of get trip us up and get in our way. You look at the media, a lot of times social media today, it, it, it does, it kind of takes a little bit of the truth of what the church would offer us and twists it a lot, a lot sometimes. So often when we hear these these opposing sides. Well, the Bible says that creation happened in seven days, but evolution and science says that it happened over millennia or whatever, so the two can't go together. Well, we don't have any evidence for scripture besides scripture, so we'll take science. And you can't have science and religion. The two are opposed. I'm sorry, but as a Christian, I know better. And I actually get both end, because I know which one has a competence where. But do we understand that? Or do some of these claims challenge my convictions in my Christian revelation, my Christian faith? And I'm like, well, I don't know how to interpret the Bible, so I might as well just leave, leave it on the shelf collecting dust because it challenges me. I better go with the real stuff, real life like science. You hear again, like so often, wow, the world is so full of evil and the headlines remind us how terrible the world is and yet you guys claim there's a good God who loves us. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense. So I don't know anything about God because I just see the headlines. So again, in a kind of a false dichotomy, you're given an either-or question, and really the solution would be both end the way God has described himself to us. But the social media or whatever other blurbs kind of give us just a, a twisting of the story, a kernel of truth. Yes, there's a God. Yes, there's evil. And then they twist it to the wrong outcome. It doesn't have to be that way. 
So often you hear in the news, like today, I mean, how many headlines do you hear telling you how amazing you must feel to be a Catholic? Anybody had recent headlines telling you how amazing you must feel to be a Catholic today? No. I mean, it's like headline after headline, how naive you must be to be a Catholic today. How could you follow such a backwards church with their bankruptcies and their, their, how they treat poor victims and, and, and the awful things that the church, again, grossly exaggerating, the church. Yes, it has individuals that have done some awful things. But the media would put everything together and have you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Look at the church and their teachings against women. Isn't the church just a history of, of just constant male chauvinism against women? Well, if you read only the social media or the YouTubes or whatever else, it sure can sound that way. But if you go to what your church actually has taught on the dignity of the human person, the dignity of women, if you look even at the Old Testament in times which were clearly cultural times of a little bit of male chauvinism, or maybe a lot, right? And yet in the Old Testament, you see stories of Deborah and Judith and Ruth, women heroes in a male chauvinist society. Is the Bible just male chauvinist? Or is there a little bit of a, wait, let me go deeper into that, because that's not so simple. That's a little simplistic to make that claim. And yet we buy into it without a second thought. We listen to it without a second thought. Look, every movement, every social or political movement has extremes on both sides. I think if you listen to the actual Catholic view of that social topic, you might find some profound wisdom that navigates between extremes and not oversimplifying it as, oh, it's the conservative view or, oh, it's the liberal view over here. Know what your faith says. Know what Christ says. I could go on and on. There's so many things lately that seem to do that a lot and all having the same effect that you doubt the authority of God and you try to substitute it as an either or. I don't have God's authority. I don't know what to say about what God has said, but I'll take what the world would offer me. I'll take this kind of human logic as if that's all I have. Someone posted this a while ago. I thought it was kind of cute, but... If social media was around in Jesus Christ's day, and you kind of have to know scripture to, to appreciate this, but we might have gotten the following sort of headlines. So-called rabbi from Nazareth tells us to hate our parents. Jesus of Nazareth continues his streak of outrageous statements. He said something about that, but the media twisted it. More outrage. Jesus threatens to destroy the temple and then insanely claims he can rebuild it in three days. Religious leaders consider him insane. So-called Prince of Peace declares that he's not bringing peace, but a sword. What does he mean by this? Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth promotes prostitution. The imposter of Galilee allows sinful women to be with him, to be near to him. Maybe there's a scandal there. Jesus of Nazareth promotes theft welcomes notorious thief Zacchaeus to walk with him. Again, Levi, the tax collector, is there any end to his madness? Only the idiots, the uneducated, the naive follow him. We could go on. I just feel like so often we let's listen to the voices around us, the social media tidbits about what the church says, what the church teaches. And instead of going deeper and knowing our faith better, we just deflect all the goodness that our Lord was trying to offer us. And we listen to the tidbits, the, the snippets, the, the tweets, 
or the twistings. What I appreciate is in the gospel again, our Lord's attitude towards that twisting spirit. Our Lord's attitude is not one of, well, let me listen to you for a little while. Let me see if you have some wisdom to offer me. Let me just kind of bear with those twistings and see if that helps me. He doesn't give him a second. Be silent. Get out of him. We don't have time to waste our minds on the twistings of the enemy. We don't have time to feed or misfeed and malnourish our faith on secular headlines about our faith. Sure, take the news for what it's worth. Take it for what it's worth, absolutely. But then there's a limit to what news in the secular press can't really explain well about what your faith would teach you. And they go too far when they try to sometimes. A lot of people would you hear secular press emphasizing sometimes how naive it is to believe what the faith would teach you, what Christianity has to offer you, what Catholic Church offers you. I think a lot of times we would say how naive we are if we just take secular press about Christian faith. That's a little short-sighted, especially in this day and age. Our Lord does not entertain the, twist, the twistings. And we should be a little more ready to say, hey, I'm not listening to that right now. That thing that's making me question my faith a little too easily, I'm not giving that room in my heart. I'm not nourishing it. I'm going to cut it out for a second. And I'm going to go into the sources of my faith, the actual document that was published by the Vatican, instead of a thousand different headlines contradicting each other about what the Vatican just said or didn't say. I'm going to listen, and when I have questions, I'm going to go to the sources. I'm going to find what, what is true and what is false about what God and his authority have given us. I'm not going to hesitate there. I say that with a, with a little bit of delicacy because I do know we, we, we do have our, our, trust, our trust wounds, right? Our wounded trust. It's kind of hard, especially when the news has emphasized how sometimes members of the Catholic faith have failed us along the way. It can be hard to regain our trust in that faith as a whole. But our Lord was clear. He spoke with authority and he gave us the gift of that authority. It was meant to be a gift even if some of his adherents didn't follow and submit to that authority. We don't follow their bad example, but we also don't throw out the authority because of it. That's really important in this day and age to understand the gift we were given and how when our Lord came, he came to give us a way, a truth, a life meant for everyone as a gift. And I'll leave off with this. You are a Christian. Your prototype, if you will, Christ, stood in front of the world with that way, truth, and life that he knew so well. He was convinced of it. He was the way, truth, and life. You bear his name. You are a Christian in the world today. You need to be that faithful reflection of Christ. And you need to stand a little bit on his authority and not be afraid as if it's not there. Raise your hand if in today's society you might be a little intimidated to stand in front of the world with Christ's authority and say, this is the way, guys. This is the way. Anybody intimidated by that idea? Come on. It's a little hard sometimes. You think it was hard for Christ to stand in front of the synagogue and to stand in front of the Roman procurator Pontius Pilate and say, 
I've come to witness to the truth. What did they do to him? They didn't give him roses, they crucified him. And when we find ourselves struggling to give the same witness he gave, we might find ourselves struggling. That doesn't mean you're on the wrong path. You should kick, punt it, and abandon it. Don't get me wrong, you might need to do your homework and go deeper into the faith so you can do a better job of representing it. Absolutely, we do it every day. Hashtag catechism in a year with Mike Schmitz. For you, it might be catechism in three years. Don't give up. Don't give up. And heck, do it again. Or the form.org stuff or a lot of other resources that were not there 20, 30 years ago that are there for you today. Use those resources to be competent. That's another word for authority. It's a, it's a competent authority. You want to be a competent authority. And you don't just bring the witness of Jesus Christ on a world that doesn't know how to live it and say, well, you're, you're failing. You're failing. Raise your hand if you're failing sometimes to live that way truth in life. Anybody here failing sometimes? Yes, okay. So you teach it and bear witness to it with compassion. You teach it with love. Because if it's hard for you, who perhaps have had five years of CCD or 10 years of Catholic school to help you, they haven't had that. So you present it with compassion, with patience, and you show them first love as you gradually help them live better with you the truth, the life, the way. It's very hard for us, but I really challenge us. It's, it's one of the things we, our, our society is most misunderstood and, and most wrongly twisted about what the Catholic faith pretends to offer and what it really does offer. We ask the Lord to help heal any wounds that you or I may have in our trust, in God's authority still present in our midst through the apostolic church. Heal those wounds. Bring, that's why you come to communion, to ask the Lord with that medicine, that nourishment, Lord, nourish my broken trust. Heal my struggling faith. Because I'm called to bear witness. I don't have a right to misrepresent you in my witness to the faith. Help me to do a better job. Heal my wounds. And allow me to be a channel through which you would heal the wounds of my brothers and sisters. A humble channel. A compassionate source of healing. Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph.